0: Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. New episodes every Wednesday. Visit agencyrevolution.com and click Media to explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and I want to welcome you to the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Fuse, the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, and makes your clients love your agency. Without you having to hire more staff programmers or technologists, folks, if you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of this award-winning software today. Um, And uh, I think really, (laughs) I I will say, uh, now more than ever is a time where you need to make sure that you've got strong relationships with your customers and that you're communicating to them, that you're delivering to them some confidence and some comfort. And uh, to some extent, I would say perhaps this is why Lucas and I created Agency Revolution many years ago. Uh, for, for, um, for this very crisis, it's proven itself. So, that said, I uh, want to introduce you to the guest <laughs> for this podcast. It's me. So, what I've attempted to do here is uh, synthesize much of what has transpired in the last eight or nine conversations, each of which has had some focus on the existing crisis, and then to, to synthesize it and then to give you some, some sense of what to do about it and a sense of where we're going in the future and how you can thrive in that future. So my introduction is very, very short <laughs> because you're going to be listening to me. Um, I, uh, I touch on three topics. Number one, the, what I call the three phases of the COVID crisis for the Modern Insurance Agency, and I think we're clearly in phase two right now. Number two, the four reasons the Modern Insurance Agency was better prepared for this crisis. Uh, don't spend a lot of time on that, but I think uh, you, I think it will make sense to you and you'll see why. And then number four, the bulk of this is uh, the eight-step COVID toolkit, a, uh, a, a series of eight steps to help you succeed and ultimately thrive in the midst of a crisis. Before I go, I'll Mentioned that if you want to get your hands on uh, one of the resources that I talk about in this. uh, It's not. Well, this is a conversation between me and you, not between me and a guest. And I kind of approached it that way. And so if you if you want to get your hands on it, this is easy to remember. So if you're driving, remember it. You don't need to write it down. Just remember it. And then when you're in front of your computer, um, www, if you care to. Uh, eight step Okay, eight steptoolkit.com and you can download a resource uh, that I have available for you there. And um, really without further ado, uh want to bring you want to introduce you to our guest, me, <laughs> and encourage you to um, I hope get value from my reflections and my observations about what's happening in the industry right now and uh, I know if you're a listener of this you do you you care you care about the industry you care about your customers you care about your team and uh, I uh, in my heart of hearts hope you get genuine value from this podcast. Hello everybody this is Michael Jans and for this podcast you are my guest (laughs) and here's what I mean by that I'm uh, I'm going to uh, host this conversation because I'm, I'm the only one who's doing the talking. I'm going to host this conversation as if you just joined me in the casita, that you just came here and we had an opportunity to sit down and that I was going to share with you my perspective on uh, what's happening with COVID and what we need to do about it now. So it's uh, consider this a conversation between me and you in particular. There are, there are three things that I want to uh, share with you. Uh, we're and and I'm uh, also presenting this as a conversation in a transitional stage. Okay, so here's the transition. For the last, I would say uh, eight or nine weeks, I've, I've had the opportunity to present to you conversations with uh, various industry and outside the industry experts who have shared really valuable perspective on what's happening, how it's going to affect the industry, how it's going to affect the economy, what we need to do about it, uh, how, do we, how we get our feet on the ground. Okay, I think now we're in a transitional phase. We're at the point here where um, the uh, chaos, it's got to settle down, the disruption, uh, we need to get a handle on it. Uh, presumably, you probably have uh, a lot of that. You know that that stuff that happens when a crisis first hits. Boom! At some point, we get out of crisis mode, and we. Um, We uh, create a new future out of it. We're at that point. This is a transitional period. So that's really uh, how I see this conversation. Those last eight or nine conversations uh, still of great value. If you've missed any of them, I think you should go back and get them. Uh, I have noticed that listenership is up like about 35%. So they're uh, they're really, really good, really, really valuable conversations, and there's a lot in those that we can use to carry forward. Now it's time for us to go forward. These are the three things I want to share briefly uh, in this conversation. Uh, One, the three stages of COVID. I'm going to share how I see this from a planning perspective, the three different phases of COVID, the virus and how we're going to have to deal with that as an industry. Uh, number two, I want to talk about the four reasons that the Modern Insurance Agency was more prepared for this. And then, uh, boom, mostly want to focus on the uh, eight-step COVID toolkit, success toolkit, so how to, how to thrive in the midst of all this. So, number one, the three stages, consider it like this. When a crisis hits, there, is, uh, there are a series of things that happen, and they happen at, um, kind of the, at the physical level. They happen at the emotional level. Uh, there's disruption, there's chaos, uh, there are a lot of decisions to be made. Uh, th- there are all those sort of real uh, real world business things that need, need to be dealt with. And then there's the emotional side. There's uncertainty, there's anxiety, uh, uh, there's in some cases uh, just outright fear, outright dread. Uh, uh, and, and you've got to be dealing with that with yourself and with your own team. Uh, that's phase one. And I think we're into this long enough where hopefully you have uh, gotten through that, um, oh, high energy state of uncertainty and how you're dealing with it. And now, boom, it's time for us to um, figure out how we're going to make the most of that. And that gets us into this uh, this phase right here. This is what I would call phase two. So phase one, the immediate adjustment period. Phase two, uh, the shift from sh- uh, short-term long term and that shift involves a lot of thinking some analysis uh, and clearly some planning it's a much more uh, reasoned much more uh, steady stable kind of state and this is the period uh, this is the period we're in right now some of you may have entered into it earlier some of may feel like you haven't quite taken care of some of that uh, disruptive stuff but roughly this is where we're at right now this is largely what our teams and the marketplace is demanding is that we figure out where are we going with this thing and um it uh, it 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 makes me think uh reminds me for example the last recession that uh clearly there were some businesses that um that really took off and I, I know that there are uh you know <laughs> We're all on the Internet, and so, you know, you'll see stories about, look at these tremendous businesses that thrived, uh, and they were launched during um, uh, the last recession. Well, I can, I can cite one for you, Agency Revolution. Uh, I can also tell you that it's not necessarily easy. That was a very, very hard time to launch an insure tech. Uh, but we'll, you know, look at examples like Uber and things like that. Look at these companies that have grown tremendously right after the recession, and and, and I want to be very clear: it's usually not because of the recession. Uh, it's usually not because of the difficulty. It's usually because um, they had the resources, they had a lot of cash. It was a good idea to begin with, and they were able to sustain the difficult periods. However, uh, the other, the real critical point is that sometimes it is because of. Uh, it's because of the crisis, because of the confusion. And um, I, here's what I mean by that, that uh, it's in periods like this where economies, industries do uh, do transform. The, the disruption does cause some transformation because insurpreneurs, uh, savvy entrepreneurs will figure out a way to create value in this environment and they're going to leave the others behind. That is the that is absolutely critical point. And so... It's certainly, it's my goal, my friends, in having this conversation with you that you're one of those who do that, that we figure out how to create value now, how to create net value at the retail agency level in such a manner that we take over the marketplace of our choice. And so this period, I'll call it the next 90 days, is the shift from the short-term focus to long-term focus, uh, where you make your assessments, you do your planning, Uh, do the appropriate analysis make your decisions and boom we move forward and then phase three is the execution of that and the execution obviously is often parallel with some of the planning but this next 90 days are absolutely critical and I'm really going to encourage you to uh, stay focused and stay focused on that which I just spoke about creating uh, value in the current environment. And then phase three, we're we're uh, obviously uh, that that's where there's some recognition that the world is going to be different than uh, than it is now. We're not getting back to, uh, gee, you know, can we just get back to what it was like on January 15th or December 15th, and you know, like normal. Um, Change tends to, uh, 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 you know, (laughs) leave itself around, right? And so things are going to be different. There's no question about that. We've spoken about some of those things in previous conversations. David Smith, for example, the futurist. So it's going to be a world, a different world. So my sense is that right now, for you and I, (laughs) this next 90-day period may be the most important 90-day period of the career or perhaps of the lifetime of your agency. So those are the three phases. Now, (laughs) why do I say that the modern agency was more prepared for this crisis than other agencies? I'm going to give you the four reasons. One is that modern agencies are more adaptable, and they've proven that because they've already adapted. So as the world changed around us, with the introduction of uh, the internet, digital technologies, and w- which then changed consumer behavior and uh, 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 allowed for the introduction of a massive number of new technologies of uh, swarming into the industry and insure techs that were both uh, that are both friendly and unfriendly, <coughs> the the modern agency made an adaptation. And uh, and so um, oh you've heard this a hundred times as Darwin said it's not strength it's not speed it's the ability to adapt that uh, determines the survival of the species and so uh, it's that that is a skill and I and I think that um, th- that is a skill that's a skill set that needs to be learned it needs to be it really needs to be practiced so that uh, your legacy systems your legacy. Processes, the legacy thinking of your team, the legacy thinking in your own head—they don't hold you back. That's number one. Number two is modern agencies. Um, by definition, they embraced technology, and technology does allow us to move faster. Uh, technology allows us to uh, get more done. And certain and, and clearly, certain technologies were necessary, and um, and uh, moving forward, they continue to be necessary. And uh, among those, which is a segue to um, number three, uh, some technologies were necessary for us to go remote. So number three is the modern agency uh, either was prepared to be remote, or in many cases they were remote, uh, some uh, uh, partially, like, uh, you know, hey, I've got a few employees here, there, and, you know, wherever. And uh, I've got a small handful of clients who are like, don't have an office. I mean, literally, don't have an office uh, that are uh, just flat-out remote. Um, And, as uh, you know, I know if you'd said that in 1995, they'd probably say that's crazy. And a lot of people in 2005 or 2015 would say that that's crazy. But they – so, again, um, listen to my interview with David Heinmeier Hansen, the author of the best-selling book, Remote, and founder of uh, – 37 signals programmer of base camp L- listen to that conversation remote can be good <laughs> remote remote does not have to be second best and so modern agencies were prepared for that and then uh item number 4 modern agencies were able to communicate with their customers during time of crisis and and, and that is um oh uh, I, I mean, I guess I'm going to say to some extent it's a shameless, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a shameless pitch for Agency Revolution. But clearly, uh, uh, I, uh, you know, the, I, I had the I do have the opportunity. I'm, I'm not um, I'm not active. Uh, I, I own I own no equity in Agency Revolution. Uh, my role largely is uh, is this is is to, to have the privilege of conversations with with really, really, really uh, intelligent people in and outside of the industry and, and to bring those conversations to you. Uh, but I, uh, I uh, have the privilege also of keeping my finger on the pulse and being a participant so I can monitor the Slack channel and see, hey, what's going on? And I noticed that shortly after COVID hit, like the number of uh, communications from agencies to their customer base, like it seemed like it went up about fivefold, about five x, I, uh, and may may be continuing to go up. But boom, and I thought, yes. <laughs> the, uh, that that maybe justifies the pain and suffering of launching an insure tech at the beginning of a recession, <laughs> is that is that people did what they were supposed to do with it. They communicated. They delivered some confidence to their customers. They perhaps delivered a little bit of comfort to their customers. So for those four reasons, I felt that uh, the modern agency was definitely better prepared for this crisis than other agencies. And for those of you who are listening, you probably – you c- c- can get some sense of how well prepared you were and where you fell short and now what you need to do. So we've got 90 days, maybe less, <laughs> but let's consider this the most important 90 days of your agency's history. So uh, what I want to focus on are what I call the um, eight categories of action required of agency leaders now The uh, in my eight-step COVID toolkit and um, I'll make relatively short work of this Uh, number one is uh, make a short list your success right now depends on you doing a few things and doing them well you'll find some of those things on this list the rest of which I'm going to share with you in a moment there's so much going on that you'll you will easily be distracted you need a list to keep you focused Uh, I uh, so this is, this is just so not revolutionary. But, by the way, there's, uh, what I'm sharing with you is lo- mostly not revolutionary. You'll probably find that these eight things fit into one of three categories. One – um, reminders of something that you know you should do Two, perhaps a little tweak on something you are doing or three an insight that you simply hadn't thought of before and you got to get down and do it so so uh you know the idea of like having a list for goodness sakes uh, you know what business band hasn't like you know d- d- didn't go to some workshop a million years ago and like hear that and has heard that a hundred times uh okay now it's time you know so if you don't have one you need one and it doesn't need to be a long list you need a short list Uh, a short list that keeps you focused because the world is going to distract you and there are a few things uh so this really is that this is one of those periods where uh, uh you're your success really is contingent on your ability to do a few things really well, not a million things not that well. And so we need to really focus on what are those few things. And I think this is one of those times where, yes, you got to write it down. Uh, and, and, by the way, at the end of this conversation, I can, I'll, I'll tell you where you can, you can get a tool from me that will help you. you got to write it down. And, two, got to look at it. you got to pay attention to it. You need your lists. and I think this is a list that, frankly, if it's small enough to fit in your pocket, that is great. It's the kind of thing that you, you know you really do do need to look at at the beginning of the day and throughout the day. Take it seriously. Number two, what I call the inner warrior—that's you. There is so much being demanded of you from as a leader, from so many different dimensions. Your team will be demanding things of you. Your carriers will be demanding things of you. Your clients will be demanding things of you. Your family, clearly, they have needs as well, and these are ne- these are needs that, in so many ways, they're so poignant. They're so r- real. Uh, it, it, it's people are dealing with just such r- real issues of, uh, yeah, frankly, of uh, in so many cases, life and death and uh and fear and comfort and hope that there will be a lot demanded of you and and uh it's one of those periods where it just it it doesn't feel like a regular quarter it shouldn't feel like a regular quarter there is a global crisis going on, and so you need to be strong um you will uh because you're going to be called on to not just be a manager but really to be a leader you will lead better if you lead strong. And so you got to take care of yourself. So I I simply don't want you to minimize that. Whatever you need to do, we're all different, but you got to make sure that you eat right and you sleep right. And, uh, you know, if you got to get on your knees and pray, you got to pray, right? Whatever it is that does it right for you. If you got to put on, you you know, put together a mixtape of the rock and roll that, you know, that, that pumps you up, then Put together your mixtape, okay? I'd say listen to it in the car, but you may not be getting into the car. But you gotta, you got to take care of you. This is one of those times where, uh, like uh, in the air when there's turbulence, in a plane when there's turbulence, you know, the recording says, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And you're thinking, no, i got to get it on the kids. But that doesn't work, out, work too well if, like, you pass out, and then they don't know what to do. So take care of yourself. So have a, So have some plan. A health plan a mental health plan a spiritual health plan you know what to do if ever there was a time you know we, we all it's so easy to put your personal disciplines aside for a week and a month and then next thing you know a year and blah 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 the decades go by right okay take care of yourself number three is leadership In times of crisis, people tend to look outside themselves for answers, so be aware of that. If you participated with me in any of my conversations with Dr. Robert Cialdini, the author of the book Influence, uh, he's got a terrific model for uh, how people make decisions and what persuades them to make decisions. And one of his observations as, uh, as an academic in the field is that when there is a crisis, uh, and it does cause confusion. People tend not to look inside themselves because they can't find the answer there. They, they're looking for the right thing to do and they look for leadership. As Jay Abraham uh, has uh, often said, people are silently begging to be led. I think at this point, maybe not so silently. They just want really good leadership. And you've got a couple of constituencies that are looking for that leadership. Of course, number one is your team. And they're dealing with again issues that are not normal issues. They're dealing with the issues of uh, of uh, uh, of serious health uh, of life and death. Uh, uh, you know, God forbid, but you know, perhaps somebody in your team has been affected by the virus, uh, or perhaps a member of their family. Uh, perhaps it's a uh, it's a, a parent or something who's n- not even in the same community. And uh, the you know, so these are real real very difficult times, and and, uh, and as a leader, you need to do what's right. You have to listen. Your emotional intelligence needs to be at uh, at peak. This is the time where you listen, and you listen with your heart, and you listen with genuine empathy, and you take care of people. And the other constituency that you've got are your customers. Now, we're past the period where they want to know, you know, <laughs> what what are your office hours or whatever. I mean, that's gone, but they, they still want to know. All right. In my world, in in the world that just doesn't feel like it ever has before. And I can't count on the things that I used to be able to count on, like going to the grocery store or, uh, you know, uh, uh, or, or for, you know, church or, you know, taking my kids to the movie. Like life is so different right now. Uh, so, so they want to know, in my world, who can I count on, who's reliable, who's good, and of course from a business point of view, who's taking care of me, so all of that stuff. You need to be not just a manager, you need to be a leader, and uh, and to do that, what I want to encourage is that clarify your message to your team, and you clarify your message to your customer base, What's the, and, and that message has got to be relatively simple, and it needs to address the things that matter to them. Am I safe? Is this a good place to be? Are you going to take care of me? Uh, What's the truth? What's what's happening? Uh, And so uh, the general approach to this that I think is extremely valuable. And again, on this one, listen to Jean Salvatore. Um, She's uh, that that conversation I had with Jean was absolutely outstanding. One number one, tell the truth as you best understand it. People want to know. What's happening? How's it going to affect our agency? Or how's that going to affect my relationship to the agency? Uh, number two, they want to know that you've got a plan. You've got some strategy to get through this, not just to survive, but perhaps to thrive. Um, and, uh, and share that plan and share that vision of what it can be like when we're through this and how it's going to be better. Um, and, uh, you know, don't pussy fit around on this. And if you don't know, then that's the truth, too. And, and share the elements that you don't know. But uh, you will be called upon to present a, a real strategy and a vision for where you're going and how that strategy is going to take you there. So uh, be prepared to share that. And this is one of those times where, um, think of it, it's a little bit like a political campaign, okay? So there's a short-term duration to it or a mi- maybe in this country, not so short, but <laughs> there, there, there's a limited duration to it and uh, the message needs to be uh, so well understood that the, your constituencies, in this case your team and your clients, that they could repeat it back. Like, I, I know where we're going as an agency, and I believe in it. Number four is technology, and uh, technology also divides into more than one category. Modern agencies, again, they were uh, more ready for this uh, crisis than, uh, the, than other agencies, and I, and I say that um, also, uh, that includes the big the big agencies. Now, I've seen, a bit, been pretty impressed with how some of the big agencies they knew technology was uh, the wave of the future. So, a lot of them had uh, the technology that allowed them to uh, be remote. Many of them had the technologies that allowed them to uh, be remote uh, and communicate effectively with their customer base. But regardless of size, uh, you know, the legacy, the legacy thinking and the legacy habits and the, the legacy culture that can can go all, it can kind of um, seep all, all the way down from the leader all the way to, um, you know, Bob or Hazel or whoever's been working in the agency for 20 years and it's never going to change, those things, um, well, that kind of thinking is going to hold us back. And so technology is really critical for moving us forward. Uh, so there are a couple of elements here one uh is the issue of uh, the security of your technology uh, especially as um as workers are remote and scattered all over the place and you know the, those those technologies those computers and associated uh, you know the the programs and platforms that are operating on um on the internet and uh via the cloud um they're now they're they're not uh, safely ensconced in the brick and mortar, which maybe they weren't so safely ensconced anyway. Well, you've got issues to deal with there, and so you may want to you, you you may want to review my conversation with Brad Rubin. Uh, but y- you know that you've got to deal with things like uh, having making sure everybody's got secure login protocols, you've got password protocols, virus protection. That you're dealing with online scams and those are going to be emerging um, a- as they already have and they're going to be surfacing more and more because let's face it, the scammers and the hackers see this as a tremendous opportunity uh, because there's confusion and chaos and <laughs> and because Sally's now got a computer at her house in the suburbs and you know, she's doing her best, but nobody ever, you know, made sure that everything was secure. So now you need to find out what those, you know, what those issues are. And, uh, and the staff needs to be trained on how to deal with, um, with scams and hackers and, and what emails to be cautious about and what not to open up. Um, there's, you know, if you've got an older operating system, you might have some security gaps there and then there's uh, again this overlaps with uh, so many other things that I've already talked uh, spoken about but we've got uh, tech, you've got to you've got to make decisions about what technologies are you going to commit to um and um i would say this again this is a, we can't think of technology as like Oh, I know I need a uh, you know, a, um, a marketing automation system so I can communicate with my customers better. Yeah, you do. But buying it and then checking it off the list is, is, is an ineffective approach to technology. You need to figure out what are the technologies that we want to invest in? What are the categories of technologies that we want to invest in? And then let's figure out a plan of mastery for those. And of course, uh, the remote technologies are uh, are quite critical in that regard. Now, I, I, at some point, I, I, I'm looking for some way to deliver uh, concrete information about remote. I've, as I've shared on LinkedIn, for those of you who are, are connected with me on LinkedIn, uh, I've, I've spoken a little bit about this. I've been remote personally for 25 years, off and on. I've, uh, d- it, during most of those 25 years, I had an office. Uh, It was often vacant, and so I went from having the cool corner office to, like, the lowliest office because I wasn't using it that often and gave the cool office to somebody else. And then my team has been remote for, oh, a little under 10 years, and and I was, to some extent, forced into that when one of my key employees said, hey, Michael, my wife's pregnant, we're going to move back to... You know, battleground Washington, and I was like really upset about it. And my and this and at that point, the president of my company, Maggie Hubble, said, "Hey, go remote." And I was like, "Ah, oh, what?" You know. <laughs> so it was a it was a minor crisis compared to COVID. But uh, I I bought the book Remote. I I did my homework. I realized how I was working remote effectively, and I said, "Hey, you know what? Um, seeing Josh uh, with his head down in the cubicle is not management or leadership." <laughs> Okay, so now Josh can go to battleground, and we can use remote technologies to communicate and to collaborate. And I can establish key performance indicators. And uh, and 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 what happened was over the course of the next year, performance went up, not down. So remote is not a second best. And so uh, decisions need to be be made by you <laughs> uh, about what technologies now you're going to use to. Um, support remote relationships and make those relationships as real and strong as possible. Issue number five is the issue of insurance coverage, and I suspect uh, you've got more expertise in that area than I do. I will encourage you to listen to my conversation with Bill Wilson, but you know, uh, I mean, now uh, that we're, we've been in this long enough, you know, that lawsuits are surfacing in all parts of the country about business interruptions, so you got to you absolutely have to pay attention to that stuff. Um, their liability issues. Um, there, you know, people are uh, customers are going to have questions, and so y- you uh, workers' comp, of course, is um, you know um, uh, is under some some uh, pressure, some stress. Uh, so, a lot of these things are going to be winding their through the court system. But you're you're going to be in many cases, you're going to be the first responder. Okay, so you're going to get the inbound call, and you need to make a decision about how you're going to deal with that. That's number one, and two you need to train your staff because more than likely they're going to be the ones who are going to get the call, so they need to be trained on how you're going to deal with it uh I think you know largely again if you you know you can listen to Bill Wilson my conversation with bill in many cases, savvy agents are referring some of these complex uh questions uh to the carrier with whom the uh the policyholder has the actual contract and um and And so you can um deflect that uh, some of those conversations, which doesn't mean you don't care, you do care but they're these are delicate um conversations, and they can be uh, obviously quite tense because in many cases uh they are at least from a business point of view their life and death for the person who's making the phone call so there are insurance issues, you need to understand what they are, and you need. Uh, your internal protocol and how you're going to deal with them. Item number six, finances, can't be ignored. This will affect some agencies more than other agencies. So, y- you you need to be well. This is this is when you just need to have a really clear-eyed conversation with your uh, with your accountant. Uh, you need to have a sober conversation with your spreadsheets. You need to make some realistic assessments about what's going to happen. Um again, if we if we use these 90 day this 90 day period right, then you're going to be one of those who can a- uh, absolutely grow and dominate your marketplace during this period. Uh, but decisions need to be made. So in some cases, clearly there are going to be agencies that need to make personnel decisions and you know it's a, that's there's no question those are difficult uh, they're they're sorrowful. Stressful decisions that need to be made, but in some cases, if there's a significant contraction in uh, policyholders and premium and uh, the number of policies per customer, then decision you you need to make a decision about the appropriate uh, staffing for your team. <laughs> um, and um, I I know that this is hard. And hey, I've been there. Um, more than once in my career, I've dealt with turnaround situations, was hired a little over 25 years ago to um, oh, to uh, merge into a collaborative partnership, two organizations, both of whom were like losing money like crazy. And so I was, uh, that wasn't my first turnaround, but it was, I think, I think my most difficult turnaround. And um we were running cash flow projections um every uh, once a week and i had them you know run out i just wanted to know i had 45 days worth of cash because when we ran our first one i didn't and so um there uh, those are difficult times it's a it's a protocol that nobody wants to have to go through but uh, you know to the extent that it's necessary be real about that number seven so number seven and number eight um are areas i'm going to be able to touch on but I think there are areas where uh, we're going to spend and I will be spending more time on and focusing on uh, providing tools and resources in this next 90-day period. Uh, the first one's strategy and the second one's marketing. And so uh, I'll take them one at a time. Strategy um, is uh, the, the, the model that I uh, generally use is that strategy answers two questions. It's where are we going to play and how are we going to win? That's it. So if you can answer those two questions, those are strategic questions. And strategy always, um, first, uh, it, uh, it spends its time and its resources determining what's happening in the real world. So, you know, so I, I want to be really clear about that. Um, a, a good strategist uh, doesn't, it doesn't confuse strategy with things like, uh, you know, let's set goal, like goal setting or qualities like, uh, hey, our strategy is, you know, we take great care of our customers, or our strategy is, uh, it's perseverance and endurance, or it's grit, or no, those aren't strategies. They're really important things. Courage, that's not a strategy. Uh, strategy determines what's happening in the real world and um, uh, crafts a plan to thrive in the real world. And so you could consider it, I'll, I'll provide a couple of metaphors on it, and, 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 the, and, and I'm gonna try not to mix them um strategy is like uh oh my friend bill hartnett is uh a who you may know in the industry is the navigator on a ship i think they have 11 crew members and he's number 11 or something like that so he's not on deck like you know pulling ropes and moving sails and stuff like that he's figuring out where to go well when you know if if, so if if they're in a race no matter how hard they uh, you know, pull on ropes and move sails. Uh, if he's taking them the wrong direction, it really doesn't matter. Uh, so I, I've always said to Bill, like of the eleven people I know, the other guys I think they work harder, right? I think they use more muscle. <laughs> but uh, you're 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 the most important guy on that ship, right? Uh, uh, yeah, and he'll give me a sly grin and, and completely agree with that. Well, in times of crisis, now you're taking that ship. Uh, through, uh, you know, a storm and the currents are like moving in a different direction. The wind is, you know, going crazy. Uh, the waves are crazy. Um, and and so now more than ever, hey, Bill, tell me where to go. So the role of the strategist really is, is um, the most important role. Uh, it also reminds me of a comment that Peter Drucker said, who, uh, at least in terms of um, – of uh, business advice I consider to be, uh, right next to God. Um, well, I, 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 I pretty much, I go back, I go back and read Drucker and I think, my goodness, that, that's, that, that has not diminished in the, in the, in the, in, over the years, the t- time has not diminished the credibility of anything he's ever said. And he said that, um, at, when he was, this was in his book, The Effective Executive. So he's speaking to the to the primary strategist, the the CEO. And uh, he said, well, you can't do more work than 200 people, like the 200 people in your company or what have you. You can make a greater contribution, and that's the role of the executive. Well, that's the role you've got to play here is you really got to be able to make the appropriate strategic decisions. And so you've got to figure out where you're going to play uh, and how you're going to win. And this is where uh, I think that... Um, that uh, it becomes clear that the the savvy strategist is going to learn how to create value, figure out how to create value in this environment, and shoot above everybody else while others are struggling or suffering or you know losing this, that or the other. Uh, good strategy is going to look at, hey, what's going on out there? You know, what, what's what's the world likely to look like? How is it going to be different uh, as we move forward? Not just in the 90-day period, but how's it going to be different? Again, listen to my conversation with David Smith. Uh, there will be, clearly, there are going to be changes, changes in the manner in which people work, changes in the manner uh, in which they communicate with each other. How are we going to uh, exploit those differences? And that gets to my my second metaphor, <laughs> which is the notion of the updraft. Uh, this is kind of an issue of timing. There is, there is nothing more important in strategy than timing. Um, I won't belabor the point, but it's a topic that is uh, fascinating to me and I'm passionate about. And so, uh, you know, what's happening uh, t- with timing is, like, is, is that you, you assess what is happening right now and where is it going? Well, there are a lot of downdrafts right now. There's a lot of pressure going down, like pushing things down, you know, so people are losing work. People are losing income. Uh, but with all that downward pressure, uh, there's, all, there's, there's, got, there's some release <clears throat> somewhere. There's some updraft somewhere. Now, so your job as a strategist is to find the updraft. Where is it going? Oh, people are working more remotely. Uh, including the people that I'm uh, going to be selling to, not just for the next three months, but probably for the next three years and 30 years, they're going to be more remote work. Oh, they're going to be uh, communicating more digitally, um, as, you know, so on and so forth. So there's some updraft. Take a look at Zoom. Take a look at, you know, take a look at the stock prices uh, and the usage of companies that, um, that uh, look, you know, Zoom, to some extent, perhaps was, uh, was fortunate, uh, perhaps lucky, which has a lot to do with business, but uh, they also knew that they knew the direction that business and industry and communications were going. So take a look at what's happened to their usage. I mean, it, it's unfathomable. Um, you know, I, I was happy once upon a time to get forty percent year over year growth, but like four thousand <laughs> percent month over month. I mean, these are the the numbers are absolutely crazy. So you need to be thinking about. Where are the updrafts? And the, you know, it's a there's a bit of a challenge there. I've jumped on updrafts sometimes too early, and paid the price for that. Um, but sooner or later, the updraft caught up to me. That was a case with Agency Revolution. Uh, but it's worse than being behind because if you're behind, then you know you you look up at the updraft and you see all those agencies that are way ahead of you. That's exactly what's happening right now. So. Um, so with strategy, the issues are, uh, yes, we need a short-term strategy like the survival strategy. Uh, most of that or hopefully a lot of that was taken care of. The immediate uh, stuff was taken care of in, the, you know, let's say, the last couple of months. Um, the next 90 days, you really uh, put your plan together and probably simultaneously you begin to implement. And that gets us into marketing. I, I, w- I want to say a word or two about marketing since that's been... My career for more than 25 years, um, I, I, I want to be, I want to be, try to get crystal clear on this. Some people think that, oh, you know, like, oh gosh, our new strategy is we're going to invest in digital marketing. That's not a strategy. Uh, digital marketing has to be guided by a strategy. And so it needs to be guided by a marketing strategy. In other words, where are we going to play and how are we going to win? Uh, but marketing isn't a strategy either. Marketing is a, um, it's a series of uh tools and mindset and it's a uh it's a you know it's it's a critical part of the business enterprise that defines the relationship between the agency and your customer base or the agency and your marketplace M- the marketing strategy also needs just like digital marketing needs to be nested within marketing marketing needs to be nested within strategy and so that's why um it, it it's, you know, in working with newer clients, you know, they'll often want to know, like, you know, they want to know the most tactical thing, you know. They want to know, you know, what technology or, you know, what should I say in an email? Well, let's, let's back up and let's, let's put this thing in the right context. And the context is the relationship between you and the world that you're in. And your success in it is the role of strategy. Boom. And so, um, we need to, uh, we need to look at marketing and again, I'm, I, I can't do a full podcast on marketing right now, but essentially you need to be taking a look at where are you going to focus and how are you going to create a customer journey that earns the confidence of people, earns the trust of people, um, gets their attention. Yes. But also when you get their attention, that you're delivering content sufficiently in such a manner that they're willing to pay attention to you and, and, and invest uh, not just attention but begin to invest some emotion, some trust, uh, liking, um, and perhaps uh, even admiration for what you're doing and then guide them from a journey from being a um, you know, stranger ultimately becoming a raving fan and so you're guiding them through those four stages of marketing in the modern insurance area era so so you attract them into your funnel Uh, ultimately you convert them to become customers then you optimize that relationship so they're as rich and deep as possible and they have as many policies with you as as appropriately possible and then number four you retain them and so you make those those relationships you nurture those relationships and you infuse them with so much value that they, you know, they become one of the 97% retention. Um, you know, they fit that category and they support, they support your long-term growth. Um, so uh, here, there are a couple of challenges that you've got uh, that are facing you now. Uh, number one is who you're going to market to. That's, that, that is absolutely critical. There, there are long-term issues, and, uh, and uh, that that we all have to address. And uh, and this does pertain to your own strategic horizon. So, if you're going to be in the industry three years, you've got a relatively short strategic horizon. If you're going to be in this in the industry for 20 years, you've got a longer strategic horizon. And so. Again, I can't do a complete podcast on this, but you know, for, for example, there, you, you've got to be looking at other issues like technology as it relates to personal lines insurance, technology as it relates to the automobile itself um, and uh, where shifts may be made there. But uh, I'm, I'm not addressing those right now, uh, but they're, they are part of your strategic equation. Uh, th- but then you've, you've got to look at your niches and you, you know, you've got to make some decisions, um about i mean you know clearly (laughs) covid made some probably made some decisions fairly obvious for you i had clients in the last recession who were perhaps overly focused on construction and and got seriously hurt more than one almost just uh lost the agency altogether uh but with a little grit and a little strategy and good marketing um became very successful agencies but there was uh there were strategic decisions that needed to be made. So, if you've been focused on restaurants, if you've been focused on construction or other other niches like that, you've got to make some decisions about uh, what what are the what are the durable and lucrative uh, niches that are going to be um, most friendly to your long-term growth. My, you know, part of my role is to keep your mind and your agency focused on. Uh, on long-term growth and creating systems that uh, that deliver um, uh, and, and, uh, uh, a reliable um, uh, r- reliable uh, pattern of year-over-year uh, year growth, uh, because uh, you know, I mean, we know that yes, there are formulas for valuation, but in the long run, you know, va- the, the the magic part of the formula is when you can go to an investor and say, well, this is a better investment than the agency that's down the street that's the exact same size because I'm growing to 20 percent per year and they're growing to 4.6 percent per year. Um, and so you do need to be, be able to make some decisions about that. So number one, um, yeah, there's strategic decisions about where you're going to focus your resources, uh, what niches that you're going to attract. Uh, number two, you've got to make decisions about are you are you going to be serious now about marketing? And I, I, let me say a word or two about that. I've been teaching marketing to this industry for 25 years, and it still uh, has been a bit of an uphill battle. Uh, but that said, um, again, if you listen to my conversation with Chuck Blondino at Safeco with the Safeco Liberty uh, Agent Annual Agent Survey, you'll see you'll notice that the fastest growing position in the industry is the marketer. So. I think to some extent, <laughs> we're, uh, we're seeing some progress in that area. So, but you really need to make a decision about whether or not you're going to be a marketing agency. We've been fairly good as an industry at prospecting, but let's make a distinction between prospecting, which is usually uh, like short-term uh, networking, relationship building in such a manner that it engages people sufficiently that they're willing to have a conversation uh, that requires a lot of manual labor. It's really effective. Uh, it's a, this is a good time to do it. You should listen to my conversation with Walt Gosher. It's excellent um, on the use of LinkedIn prospecting to uh, fill your pipeline. Marketing is a, is a different skill set. Uh, marketing is uh, often, not always, but it has a, a longer-term perspective, and it guides people um, today, generally using modern technology, guides them into your funnel, moves them through your funnel um, a- until the point where they have <clears throat> they <clears throat> they're willing to invest sufficient trust to, to, to become um, actively engaged in a conversation with you and uh and that's a that's for a lot of agencies it's a bit of a new skill set and frankly a lot of marketers that are being brought into agencies uh you know uh, i i think i think it's a tremendous thing that's happening but you know they're not seasoned marketers they haven't been you know they they, they this is you know marketing like they're paraprofessionals they're in in my <laughs> In my model, the four stages of the marketer and the modern insurance agency, a lot of them are kind of at that number one stage where they're doing kind of, you know, the basics and posting on social and and maybe kicking out some emails on, um, you know, through the marketing automation system. But uh, what's happened, what a lot of market, and this is the point that I'm getting to, what a lot of marketers are doing right now, and this is going to be hard, but, uh, you know, it's it's doing what's hard that also creates... um, distinctive value. So that's why I'm so serious about this. And I so want you to pay attention to this, is that a lot of marketers have, at least uh, for a period uh, during the COVID, uh, you know, the emergence of COVID, they switched from uh, focusing on, uh, let's say, customer acquisition, which is obviously a critical part of marketing, um, to something else. <clears throat> there are two other things to focus to. So uh, it, so if if you look at this like a, as a conveyor belt, so to speak, customer acquisition begins at the left-hand side, like kind of right at the beginning of the conveyor belt. So boom, they they realize. Look, a lot of people are um, people are uh, they got a lot going on right now, and, and 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 I and I know this from monitoring statistics in the industry. Uh, you know, the number of, uh, quote requests was down over 30% the first month or six weeks. I think it's, it's now down, it's just now down 10, 12%. And, you know, that'll change, but people have a lot going on. They're a lot looking for an insurance agent right now. And so, uh, customer acquisition, it just went down and there re- I think people had a legitimate sense that maybe, you know, now's not the time to be selling. I mean, we, and we can talk about that till we're blue in the face, but there was some discomfort around that. And so moving right on the conveyor belt, they moved to the optimization of retention. In other words, they really focused on and have been focusing on deepening and strengthening the relationship they have with their existing customers, nurturing them, giving them tremendous value, being present for them, um, and using technology to do things that we simply can't do physically. And then there's the other thing, which is uh, harder. So the first thing I said, that's not hard. Uh, but this is the hard part. Now take that conveyor belt, look at that conveyor belt and look left, okay? Nothing's on it yet, okay? (laughs) So if you look left, um, that's where we get the raw product, the, the raw material and put it on the conveyor belt. Those are the prospects, okay? So what a lot of people have done, myself included, is that instead of focusing on customer acquisition, we focus on what we might call audience expansion. In other words, we go the, the farther left you go, uh, you know, like really reaching deep and far into the marketplace and offering uh, high level, top of the funnel content and bringing them into your funnel. Uh, that, well, those are that's a hard skill, it requires planning, it requires some understanding of what marketing is and what marketing does. Um, but though, if if you can marketers would call this building a list okay so now i got a list of people that have jumped into my funnel and i'm still not i'm not converting them yet i'm not focusing on that what i'm focusing on is again deepening and strengthening my relationship with them not with customers on the right side but with the prospects on the left side and and so a lot of people have so uh, frankly I'll, i'll share with you my strategic approach to this so pulling the curtains back full disclosure I had a product launch scheduled for April, and I said, doesn't feel right, not going to do it, going to make some changes. I'm going to focus on um, uh, crafting tools and crafting uh, resources to help agencies uh, thrive, survive, and thrive in this period. And uh, for those who really want to step up to really, really help them uh, to get to the next level, okay? Okay. And so, uh, while I was doing that, uh, it, it uh, simultaneously was uh, offering some resources to a broader audience. So I went to, um, uh, so I uh, have, have been engaged in much more aggressive uh, LinkedIn, uh, 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 u- the use of LinkedIn to draw people into my funnel of um much more aggressive use of facebook pay-per-click and by the way this is a great time for that um the costs are down because there are less advertisers and usage is up because everybody's at home and so this is a really really good time and so i've been bringing people into my funnel i created content the eight-step COVID toolkit uh created a landing page where people could get that in like about five seconds. And I, w- you know, in exchange, all I was asking for was the email. So boom, now all of a sudden I have a, a larger following of people that are paying attention to my messaging. And if my eight-step COVID toolkit made sense to them, then those are the ones that are going to pay attention to me because it's in alignment with my values and my philosophy as a marketer. So that's harder but that's the direction we're going to go, and that's, uh, to some extent, that's the direction I'm going to be focusing some of my training on. So, boom. Um, I, uh, I, if, if it's, okay, so that would be a good segue. So if it's a, if it's a valuable, if, if you think it might be valuable to you to take a look at what I've done in that regard, then the uh, you can grab that um, that toolkit at www.8step.com. Toolkit.com. That's it. EightstepToolkit.com, and um, and then you know we can we can be in touch with each other. So following up on this, um, I do believe that this is a transitional period right now. Like that that those we've had eight or nine weeks already. Okay, so that first period of absolute chaos, disruption, fear, and anxiety for you we've got to get that stuff under control and it probably is now we've got the next 90 days and this is the quarter of your life it's not the beginning of the of a quarter but this is the next 90 days that i think really determines um who's who's going to rise to the top and who's not and 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 i i, I do want to kind of close with this one thought um i i think we're at a watershed moment where uh you know that determines like as you know <laughs> Which side of the, which side of the Rockies are you gonna, you know, is the water gonna go on this side or that side? Because it's it's one or the other. I I've kind of i really been sort of pushing that notion for quite a while now. I mean, really, some years that that we're approaching a. In fact, I think that was the name of my annual report, State of the Industry report, three years ago the watershed moment and maybe again i called it too early cuz a lot of, a lot of agencies could kind of schlep their way into the future but i don't think we can anywhere clearly i think uh, i i i think the modern insurance consumer simply at this point is going to demand a modern insurance agency flat out period and uh and and there are uh, thousands uh, perhaps 10,000 or more agencies who don't want to make that shift um, for a couple of reasons. One, maybe you know older boomers who just hey, I didn't sign, thinking I didn't sign up for this. I'm gonna you know when when values start to rise again, it's my turn to raise my hand. Uh, you know, open the door when somebody knocks on it and and sell. Um, a little bit unfortunate, but that's you know that's um, and then some maybe that are just too small or don't care enough or something. They they just uh, you know whatever. I mean, not everybody's cut out for. The demands of being an insurpreneur. Uh, however, I do think that there will be those who figure out how to create value in this time. Recogn- they recognize the reality of the world that uh, that we that we live in now, the reality of the world that we live that we will be living in in the future, and how it's changed. And they're going to know how to create value in that world. And they're going to know how to extract value in that world. So those are the two critical elements of it. They can create value, but they're good enough marketers. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're good enough marketers that uh, they can extract value as well. So if anybody has any questions, you can, you can reach out to me. First of all, I really want to encourage you to connect with me on LinkedIn that that is uh, real I think I really do think that's the platform for the retail insurance industry largely. Uh, yes, for personal lines and some and some other things, uh, Facebook is probably a good way to kind of stay in touch. But let's face it, organic reach is going down, pay per click is going up. So you know that's that's a reality that you need to be aware of. So uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Michael Jans. I'm easy to find. And, uh, uh, you know, should you have a question that is poignant, uh, it does guide my thinking. I I try to get back to people as best as I'm able. Uh, I'm sorry I can't with everybody, but my email is michael at michaeljans.com. And with that, my friends, um, I'm I'm here for you. Um, Follow Agency Revolution, of course, on LinkedIn. And uh, take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your team. Take care of your customers. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox. New episodes every Wednesday.